0: Blog Talk Radio. National Front.
1: and Mike Bozich. Father Patrick being a magician can't reach. Father Patrick wait is the maxi lead. On blogtalkradio.com.
2: Good Thursday afternoon and welcome to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined alongside of Mike Bozich. Who is a sunny Ocean City, Maryland today? The action-packed show, full of some of our favorite ladies. Mike, how we doing on the beach?
1: Oh, not too bad. I'm sitting on the balcony, looking at the water. If you hear some noise in the background, it's uh, probably the kids playing on the beach and the waves crashing as uh, we're on the banks of the Atlantic. Such a beautiful day. A bit chilly out here, though, so I might have to. Uh, Go inside and put on an additional sweatshirt as the wind is uh, blowing, but I'll tell you what, Mike, we've got a great show on tap for you today, and uh, you can call it Ladies Night, Girl Power, Woman Power, whatever you want to call it, but we've got some fantastic females on this program here today. Uh, Heather Vitale, who just does so much for the sport of harness racing. I'm just going to call her one of the uh, finest sports ambassadors. She's going to be joining us on this program to kick things off here in a few minutes. Hoosier Parks, Emily Gaskin. She's going to talk about a couple of the changes uh, that are taking place this year for the 2016 meet at Hoosier Park that's getting ready to kick on. Chantal Mitchell, of course, we had her on the uh, the uh, show a couple of months ago, one of the Canadian-based trainers uh, that uh, lost horses in the Classy Lane barn fire. We'll get an update from her on what's going on with that situation. Hamiltonian Society's very own Moira Fanning will uh, talk to a little bit, a little bit to us about what the Hamiltonian Society does as well as uh, her background in the business a little bit. And uh, another Canadian-based trainer, Perhaps one of the greatest trainers to ever train a harness horse, Casey Coleman. She'll be joining us as well. So we have got some girl power on this program today. Mike Carter.
2: Yeah, we do. And it's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to kind of dissect uh, some of the things that uh and get in depth with a couple of these guys. Uh I know we've talked with Emily Gaskin before and Chantel Mitchell, but Heather Vital is a lot for the sport. And Mike, I'll tell you, she does a lot of good stuff for uh CVS as well uh, for harness racing. I seen her at the Jug two years ago, and I met her last year for the very first time. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, she's uh, and she comes from a very very good family too. I mean, her mother Joanne Looney King broke a lot of barriers uh, for women to uh, get involved in this business. I believe she was the first woman to ever win a race at the Meadowlands. And another side note, I believe we'll I have to ask Heather about this. I believe Heather's sister. Uh, was the first woman to win a race at Garden State Park. So a lot of history there. She obviously comes from a great horse racing family, and uh, we'll get into that with her uh, in uh, just a couple of minutes. But, Mike, real quick, before we go to our first demo and bring Heather on, uh, we have to be happy uh, with all the uh, horse people and racing fans and everybody that donated to the GoFundMe account. We closed that a couple of days ago, and uh, I believe it ended up right around the $42,000 mark. yeah, the $42,000 mark, Mike.
2: Yeah, they, uh, the account is actually – we've transferred to the FBOSA. Uh, however, it has uh, still been taking donations. Uh, we've got to get it completely shut down. That It's just over $42,000. And, Mike, I, I can't say more than I am right now how grateful I am that uh, everybody took the time to uh, donate the funds that they did. And, you know, we had some pretty uh, – Pretty big donations, um, the big one that I am thinking of. We'd like to thank M&L of Delaware, uh, who took time to donate $5,000. So without your help, uh, we couldn't help the other people.
1: Yeah, certainly. And listen, no matter how much you donated, whether it was $5,000, whether you took the time to donate 2 five, ten $5, 10 it didn't matter. Everybody contributed. It was a fantastic, fantastic thing. And once again, Mike, and it's like we beat the dead horse, but, you know, the... Harness horse people and horse racing in general, when, when tragedy abounds, it seems like that harness, the harness racing business sticks together and takes care of their own, and that was certainly the case, and uh, it's, it's always good to see. I mean, these things are never easy when you talk about barn fires and loss of horse lives and uh, things of that nature, but it is good to see the harness racing industry stick together and come together in a time of need.
2: Definitely. Well, Mike, before we take our first time out and uh, get with Heather Vitale, who looks like she's waiting on deck, uh, we'd like to take time and congratulate our fellow announcer, uh, Michael Rona, for securing the job at Santa Anita Racetrack. I know we're a harness racing show, but uh, in our hearts, Mike, we're also announcers. And uh, we, you know, we, Michael Rona, and he's done a fantastic job. So uh, we're very proud of him.
1: Well-deserved. Mike Rohn has been to a lot of different racetracks. If you ever get a chance to see a little bit of a biography on him, uh, and I believe there's even a documentary out there somewhere that, that somebody else did on Mike, but all the different racetracks that Mike's, uh, Mike's been to, Mike has certainly paid his dues. He's been around the block. He's just a fantastic announcer. He's one of those word uh, wordsmiths, I like to call him. I mean, just a lot of uh, different ways – to describe a horse race, and Mike's one of the, best, the most entertaining announcers out there, and he is certainly deserving of one of the biggest jobs out there, if you ask me.
2: All right, Mike. Well, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from Friends of Maryland Standard Breads, and on the backside of that commercial, we'll have Heather Vital, the first of our ladies to join us here on the show today. We'll be right back. Time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standardbreds the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations.org. Racehorse Adoption Program. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're now joined by Heather Vital. Heather, welcome to the show.
3: Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you.
2: Well, Heather, uh, we're excited to have you on uh, as uh, one of our panel of ladies today. And Heather, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the business and uh, how things got started for you.
3: Well, I did want to say one thing I've learned already so much on the show. Obviously, 75% of all the announcers in harness racing or horse racing in general are named Mike. So, if you want to have a successful announcer, you just have to name your kid Mike, and you're, like, halfway there, right?
2: Appreciate that. Good good
0: point. Good point.
3: Uh, So, uh, I I got into um, harness racing because I'm a third generation. My grandparents got into it back in the 50s. Um, this is my favorite all-time story. They went to the bank and took out all the money they had, which was $350 at the time. And they bought a horse that ended up being, a, he was a free-legged pacer, and he ended up being an open pacer. And then here, decades later, here I am on your show. <laughs>
1: Now, Heather, uh, obviously you come from a fantastic horse racing family. Uh, You know, your mother, Joanne Looney King, the first woman to ever win a race at the Meadowlands. Um, Talk a little bit about their influence and how their influence made you, which you are today, such a great ambassador for the sport.
3: Thank you so much. Well, uh, you know, it's funny, when I was little, I never really was into horses that much, you know. Um, know, I remember going to the barn uh, in my teens, and I was taking care of horses in the summer and making some cash. Uh, But I never had the desire to drive horses. But when I got a little bit older, and I really did enjoy the barn um, when I got older, so I started uh, training a little bit, and I would train, like, one horse at a time while I also – you know, had another job, you know, took care of my kids. And then I really, you know, got into the publicity aspect of it, and I found that that was really what my forte was, um, you know, not rigging a horse <laughs> necessarily, but, you know, really getting it out there to the public. So that's, um, that's how I found my niche, so to speak. And, you know, it's funny, as, as far as my mom, who is just, brilliant in every sense of the word. Um, She has been such a great influence on me because, you know, when I was little, um, she was putting on a tape every day and running out the door to what her passion was, and it was harness racing. So she's trying to raise two daughters and drive and train horses, which back in the 70s not only did, like, most of my friends' moms not work, but they certainly weren't driving horses if they were working, <laughs> you know. So um, it was one of those things where, like, I really resented her when I was younger. Like, why, is, why can't she be home cooking cookies for me, baking cookies or whatever? But then now that I'm older and I'm raising two sons um, and I'm following my passion, uh, you, know, public, you know, being a publicity person in the sport and a TV personality, I totally get what she was doing. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that happened? <laughs> You're like, oh, my gosh. So my mom was so awesome back then, and I didn't see it. But luckily, I see it now, and she is. Um, you know She's amazing. She's an inspiration not only to me uh, and to my sister, but, I mean, she's so many people, and I see a lot of the women in the sport that are younger than her, and they don't even realize um, how much she was such a uh, trailblazer to them. Like she was the woman out there when I would go to the races and people would yell over the fence, go back to the kitchen, you know, like things like that. And now that doesn't happen, you know, um, so much. There still is like a gender difference, you know, between the respect of male and female in the sport, but not like it was. And one of the people that changed that was my mom.
1: Yeah, no question. She's broken uh, down a lot of barriers and allowed a lot of women to come after and uh, be successful in this industry. Heather, talk about some of the racetracks you've worked at. I know you've worked at quite a few.
3: <laughs> um, I probably would be better saying ones I haven't worked at. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would take less time. Now, um let me see. I'll, I'll make it um, short. Oh, as soon as I got out of college, I interned at the Meadowlands. Did that first summer. As soon as I was done at the Meadowlands, I hopped on board uh, Garden State Park and I helped out there. And then I got hired by Steve Wolf at Freehold Raceway. Uh, so great. After Rose... Or, I'm sorry. After Freehold Raceway, I went to Rose Cross Raceway. And then after Rose Cross Raceway, I did um, uh, some TV on ESPN2 for the American Championship Harness Series. Then after that, I went out um, to Hollywood Park and I worked with uh, Thoroughbreds on um, Fox Sports West, and then um, uh, then I ended up here in Delaware, and then that's basically you know I've stayed here doing you know a lot of TV for Dover, Harrington, and Ocean Downs, and then of course you know um, whoever else will take me you know when I was doing PA Harness Week and I covered Harris, Philly, and, and Pocono.
2: Now Heather, I got to ask you about your post time show. Now I promise it was a total coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> but how did that, how did that show come about? And, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about it.
3: Um, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> that's funny. You should mention that. I know. I know. I'm like, Oh, post time. Really? They had to use it post time. <laughs> but, but honestly, it's all good. You know, let's spread love post time. It's about horse racing. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm cool with it. Um, so, uh, my, my show came about um, because I had, um, after I left Hollywood Park, I came back to Delaware because I'm a Delaware native. And my mom was living here, and uh, my stepdad and um, my grandparents were living here, and this was my home. You know, we had traveled a lot in New Jersey and whatnot, but we were back in Delaware. And I was just kind of hanging out, honestly, for three months. I didn't know what I was going to do. And all of a sudden, at once, I had jobs come at me. They wanted me back at Hollywood Park. They um, wanted me to do um, Colonial Downs. They asked me about Colonial Downs, and even the Meadows had asked me about moving out there. Um, but then there was a sports job, and it was working for the Delaware Standard Bread Owners Association doing post-time. And, um, you know, I was just ready to stay home, you know? Um, you know, I travel a lot. But I really am, I have the Dorothy mentality, like there is no place like home. I like being near my mom um, and everything. And so anyway, uh, I took this job, and I've been doing it post-time since 1998. And it's a weekly half-an-hour show. comes on Sunday mornings at 1130, which is actually a great time because a lot of people, you know, are coming home from church then. They're eating their lunch. They're sitting down. They're watching post-time. It comes on right before every uh, major sport whether it's football, bas- you know, basketball, whatever, golf, and it's on a CBS-affiliated channel. Like, it's on our local CBS affiliation, which is WBOC. So it is the number one channel watched around here, and at that time, um, like, I'm the number one show, like at 1130 on Sunday mornings in my area.
2: Well, very nice. Now, Heather, I got to ask you about Colonial Downs, because that's where I got my start. I uh, grew up in Virginia. What, what turned you away from Colonial?
3: um, (laughs) Well, the main thing was, is I wanted to stay in Delaware. You know, um, I just, uh, yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't even so much as want to go to Virginia, um, you know, or like, I mean, Roger Houston and I, we were talking about me going to the Meadows, and I adore Roger. And um, you know, that was like, Oh my gosh, if I go to the meadows it's probably gonna definitely be doing the jug every year and you know, but I just yeah, I wanted to stay home. I'm a I'm a mama's girl, you know, like I <laughs> uh, I don't like I'm like at my mom's house every day, several times a day because we live on a big family farm uh, and it's a big training center we live on and it's our family farm. So my house is on the farm, my mom's house is on the farm, you know. Uh, at one point, you know, I really wanted to stay home longer and then I got to be a certain age and she's like, "Go, you got to go, <laughs> you cannot be living in the same house <laughs> you know? So I, so I, I moved like, I could see her house for mine. <laughs>
4: so anyway, Heather writes out, John, Heather her. writes out,
1: Johnny, on the program. Listen, Heather, I've got to ask you about, uh, the Pompano Park race call. Can you take us through that experience?
3: Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, It it ended up being kind of a joke on Twitter. Um, And Derek Givner from Daily Racing Forum, he did it, and then I said something about doing it. And anyway, next thing I know, I I had James Witheray making my little cheat sheet up for me, trying to coach me over the phone a little bit. I'm watching races, trying to do race calls off of YouTube, and I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I just got to go into this. Um, And I show up. It was amazing with me. I, when I was in the box, um, I seriously thought I was going to take the headphones off and just walk away, you know, because I was that nervous to the point where I was physically ill. You know what I mean? Like uh, my stomach hurt. And, the, and, and I felt okay at one time. And then I heard Gabe yell to TV control, Hey, Sam McKee wants to see Heather's race call. Um, but he's having trouble getting the signal can you fix that and I thought really oh my gosh Sammy McKee's going to
0: be watching
3: (laughs) I was so nervous and um I, I, the one thing I didn't want to do was say a number. I told my mom, I'm like, I'm not saying any numbers, you know, uh, the horse is definitely going to do the names. The first thing I did, it was like number five, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> time, oh, I did pretty well. I needed a little bit of help from Gabe, uh, but it's, it's something. I'm so glad I did it. I mean, I'm really happy. I had that fear and I conquered it. I don't know that I'm ever going to do it again. It was just kind of a thing to do, you know, it's like, if I ever go skydiving, I don't know if I'm going to make that a habit, but, you know, <laughs> I conquered the fear. I did it, and I'm proud of myself.
1: Heather, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program. What's ahead? What's ahead in uh, 2016 and beyond for One Heather Vitale? Uh,
3: well, I'm getting a YouTube channel together, and uh, I only have a couple videos on it now, but I'm going to start really promoting it. But it's uh, YouTube.com forward slash um, happily Heather After. And uh, I'm going to have a I like bottom, that name.
1: Uh, That's cool. Happily
3: Heather after. Thank you. Yes. And so uh, I'm going to be putting a lot of stuff about my traveling because I'm doing a lot of traveling. I'm going back to Ireland this year. And, um, you know, I'm hoping to go back to Australia somewhere. I'm not sure. Maybe the other side. I don't know. But, you know, I'm manifesting a lot of trips. Uh, just to kind of spread the word, I've noticed that, uh, uh, you know, it, this our horse, And our sport is so wonderful, and it brings together so many cultures, and I think that's really been overlooked. But um, I'm so excited about the traveling part, and I have all these tips and everything that I'll be putting that on the YouTube channel. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, keep us up to date on uh, the progress of that YouTube channel. Make sure you uh, you put it on social media so we could uh, certainly share it and talk about it on this program. Listen, we really appreciate what you do for the sport, and we appreciate you joining us here today.
3: Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Um, I love talking people's ears off, so I've had a wonderful time. Thanks. All right.
1: Thank, thanks, Heather. You take care. All
3: right. Enjoy your day.
1: All right. That was Heather Vitell, certainly an ambassador of the sport. She does so many different things on the broadcasting side on the actual harness racing side, just a lot of different things for the sport of harness racing. And, uh, Mike, we certainly appreciate what she does. Yeah,
2: definitely, Uh, and she's a lot of fun to talk to. That was uh, one of the more fun interviews that we've done, and, uh, you know, it's just the start of a great ladies' day that we have on Post Time with Mike and Mike.
1: No question about it. When we come back, we'll hear from Hoosier Park's Emily Gaskin. Also, don't forget, we're going to draw for round two, leg two of our Levy Challenge. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in just a moment.
2: Friends of Maryland Standard Breds is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breds works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breds is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breds on Twitter and like them on Facebook.
1: This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of Harness Racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stank source, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter At P.T. Mike and Mike 1. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash P.T. Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash P.T. Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening.
2: Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Boat. uh, Hoosier Park Zone, Emily Gaskin. Emily, thanks for taking time out of your busy day and uh, busy schedule getting ready for the meet to join us.
5: No problem, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Kind of a tough act to follow there with
0: Heather.
2: (laughs) Well, Emily, i got to ask, there's a lot of great and exciting things coming up at Hoosier Park. Uh, Give us a little bit of insight of what's coming up this year.
5: Yeah, you know, I can be more excited about this season. Uh, Like you said, a lot of things coming up uh, for the 2016 season. We kick off on April 1st, so we'll have a 5.45 post-time. We run all the way through November 12th. Uh, We do it a little differently. At the beginning, we start a Friday-Saturday schedule, come back Thursday-Friday-Saturday, and then run – Tuesday through Saturday throughout the remainder of the season. But we're doing a 5.45 post time, a lot of upgrades going on at Hoosier Park for this season. Uh, We recently announced that we went in high definition. So Hoosier Park will be broadcast in high definition, which is something we're very, very excited about. Uh, It was quite a transition. We not only obviously had to update cameras, but we added outlets and the broadcast sets and studios and the control room, a lot went into that. And it was uh, quite an investment. So it was uh, pretty exciting, but it sounds like everything's going to be a go there for opening at night, which we're very excited about. Um, We also debuted a passing lane on Hoosier Park's track surface, something we're also excited about to try out for the 2016 season. Uh, We recently hired track man Gary Wolf. Uh, He was at the Meadowlands. And he's come to Hoosier Park for the 2016 season. So, you know, he uh, has obviously been around. He's a great, great, great guy. I don't know anybody that has anything bad to say about him. And he's done a lot for the Hoosier Park Racing Surface. Not only the, uh, the passing lane, but he, you know, worked with Dan and Greg Coons and worked on the turns and the surface and everything. So I'm really looking forward to it. Not only, you know, from a fan standpoint, there's a lot of new promotions that we're opening, uh, that we're kicking off for this season. But from a horseman standpoint as well, I I think the track's going to be better than ever, and uh, really looking forward to the racing product this year.
1: Yeah, uh, Mike Bozich here has certainly talked to a lot of people that are so excited for the uh, Hoosier Park uh, campaign coming up here in 2016. Tell us, Emily, what uh, went into the decision uh, a little bit about to put a a passing lane in at Hoosier Park?
5: Well, you know, it was was, uh, kind of a long decision, I'll say. You know, a lot of thought went into it, and a lot of different people were – Questioned about it. Um, you know, it, it wasn't something that just happened overnight, obviously. Um, something they've been working on for, for quite a while. And it was just one of those uh, decisions that we decided to try out. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people um, had some good things to say about a passing lane. Obviously, we have a very long stretch here at Hoosier Park, uh, as everyone knows, one of the longest in, in the country. Um, but it was just one of those things they decided to try out. Uh, they met with the, the horsemen's associations and a number of different people. And um, one of those things they decided that uh, they'd like to see how it uh, you know adds some excitement to the racing obviously with that long stretch um, you know it really gives drivers another option and uh, so this year they decided that uh, we would give it a try see how how we like it how it goes and kind of go from there but um, you know it was just one of those things that uh, they're always constantly looking to improve the racing product and this is one of those things they just decided to try out for the 2016 season
2: Emily, uh, coming up in 2016, I know I'm excited because I'm going to get to see Freaky Feed Pete being at Northfield Park. I know you're just as excited to see him come back. How's uh, Freaky Feed Pete doing? I know you just did an article about him, and uh, how's he coming along? You
5: know, I, I couldn't be more excited, really. You know, as, as you know, obviously coming back from three to four is, is kind of a big step up. But uh, I was able to talk to Larry Reinheimer, his trainer, not too long ago, and he had nothing but good things to say about him. Uh, you know, said that he actually thought he matured a little bit this year, which, uh, you know, the horse grew up quite a bit from two to three. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It sounds like, you know, everything's a go. They staked him to a couple different things. Obviously, like you said, the Battle of the Lake Erie at Northfield. Uh, he's also eligible to the graduate. And a couple of things up at uh, Mohawk and Woodbine. Uh, stick them to everything local as well. Um, I know there's some uh, older pacing races in uh, Ohio, and then obviously the Dan Patch and a couple of those older races here as well. But just one of those horses that I'm, I'm anxiously anticipating. Obviously, you know, with Wiggle It Jiggle It coming back, and and now Freaky Feet Pete, uh, I'm just I'm just so so excited to watch this horses. It's been a long time since I've, I've seen a horse. Uh, with the amount of ability that he has. So I'm anxiously, anxiously awaiting his four-year-old campaign.
1: You thinking perhaps we could see a rematch at Hoosier Park, Wiggle It, Jiggle It versus Freaky Feet Feet somewhere along the road?
5: I think so, you know, and, and maybe not even at Hoosier Park. I, I would love to have it at Hoosier Park, obviously. Uh, you know, I, it's just an awesome showdown. But I think they're obviously going to cross paths, you know, the uh, in the age pacing rank somewhere. I think there's a, a quite a bit of opportunity here at Hoosier Park. You know, like I said, with the Dan Patch, we also have the Hoosier Park Pacing Derby as well. So there's definitely an opportunity. Fricky Feet Pete will be here. It'll just, uh, you know – be where they decide to go with wiggle it, jiggle it. And and I think we've kind of seen from Team Teague that, you know, they're not afraid to take the horse down the road and and travel and and go where they think they, they fit best. So I think that's great. I think it's great for the age pacing ranks this year. I think, you know, last year provided a lot of excitement. I think that's only going to, you know, develop more this year.
1: Well, Emily, you guys certainly have to be proud. You and your staff have done a fantastic job of bringing Hoosier Park to the forefront in the harness racing industry. It's good to see because, you know, that's my old well home, technically. I'm from Gary, Indiana, which a lot of people consider Chicago, Illinois. I mean, you guys are still an hour and a half down south, but nonetheless— uh, I've visited down there plenty of times, and uh, it's in my home state of Indiana, so I do consider you guys home. Emily, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We will definitely be watching Hoosier Park and you guys uh, in the, for an exciting 2016 harness racing season.
5: All right. Well, thanks again for having me. I love what you guys do.
1: All right, thank you very much. That was Emily Gaskin from Hoosier Park, and I'll tell you, Mike, that staff, uh, along with Emily and and Steve Cross and all the guys down there and gals, have just done a tremendous job. Like I said, putting Hoosier Park to the forefront and uh, making it one of the pivotal, pivotal tracks, uh, pivotal tracks, I should say, in the sport of
2: racing today. Yeah, definitely, they've done a fantastic job. And Mike, I'm going to have to get out there one of these days, and uh, you know, to just 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 to see the racetrack. I've never been to Hoosier Park, so. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to. Uh, it'll be interesting for me to get out there and just kind of do my thing
1: down to beautiful Anderson, Indiana. Well, Mike, I know we're in a little bit of a time crunch here. I, I know I had a break scheduled here, but do you want to forego that and go right to the draw, or do you want to take that break? What do you want to do, buddy?
2: Yeah, let's uh, let's go right to the draw. Actually, I've got Periscope pulled up right now, and uh, right. I figured that we were going to uh, that we were going to um, go right into uh, into the uh, George Levy draw. For those of you just joining us on the program and you're looking for the Levy draw, it's right here, right now. And, uh, we're only going to draw from three divisions of the, uh, Levy because only three field, excuse me, three races drew a eight horse field. So, uh, we're going to make sure we draw eight names this week. Last week we drew, uh, seven. Uh, but this week, uh, we're going to draw eight Mike Bozic and, uh, Whitney Nesimos pulled it off uh, last week and, uh, I'm sure she was super-duper excited to go right on to the final. But, Mike, we're going to go ahead and pick out the eight names. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. I'm writing down as uh, we speak. So if you don't hear me respond to you, that means I'm writing and trying to keep uh, my uh, show notes from blowing into the Atlantic. So go ahead.
2: (laughs) All right. So everybody can see the uh, names basket that we have. And the first name is G.J. Jeff Brown. Jeff Brown, you're in this week. Our second name that we're gonna pull out here. Oh, you're gonna love this one, Mike. Our good friend, Garnett Barnsdale. He's in, we're going to pull the next name out and it's Patricia Valvo. Patricia Valvo is the third name we've selected. We've got just a few more to go here. Joe DeMarco. Joe DeMarco is the fourth name that we've pulled. Congratulations to all the winners so far. We've got four more names to pull out of the hat here. Robert Garson. Robert Garson. He is in. as name number five. Number six, Brad Sell. Brad Sell is the sixth name to be pulled. Mike, we've got two more to go. And the first of those two is going to be Ken Yill. Ken Yill is in. All right, Mike, here's the last one, and it's going to be Vanessa Powell. Vanessa Powell is the eighth name that we've drawn, so congratulations to all eight folks. And, uh, Mike, you got all those written down?
1: I sure do. Now, we have to do post positions uh, and uh, division, right?
2: Yep, we're going to pick out the division here in just a second. I'm going to pull up the USTA. All right, we've got three divisions of the George Morton Levy to draw from that drew a field of eight, and it's races eight, nine, and ten, and the division that we're going to draw is race number eight at Yonkers Raceway. So race eight, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to kind of mix everybody up here. We're gonna do it just like a uh, a post position draw, Mike Bozic.
1: All right, sounds good to me. So just fire away when ready. Race eight at Yonkers. Uh, I believe there's four divisions of the There are four? No, five. There's,
2: there's five, five divisions of the Levy, Two sevens and three eight horse fields. Here are your post positions and the names are as follows: Garnett Barnesdale, post eight, Sapphire City. Jason Bartlett for Paul Blumenfeld. So a tough post from the outside there. Bread Sell, post number two. Rural Art, George Brennan for driver, or excuse me, trainer Christopher Laqueta. The next post position is post number six, and it goes to Vanessa Powell. Mock so, trainer, excuse me, driver Tim Tietrich, Jeffrey Bamman Jr., the
1: yeah, So is good to uh, Whitney last week, so uh, let's see if Vanessa could uh, ride the coattails of and So to victory.
2: Exactly. Uh, uh-oh. Post one, Mike Bozich, who is it going to be? It is Joe DeMarco, Western rock star, driver Yannick Jengraff for trainer Andrew Harris. Post number three, Patricia Valvo. Patricia Valvo, post three, Santa Fe Beach Boy, driver Brian Sears, and trainer Richard Banca. Next post is post five. It's going to be in of pleasure. It goes to G.J. Jeff Brown for trainer Tony O'Sullivan, driver Daniel Dubé. Post Two seven. contenders
1: here left, Mike. Bit of a legend, yeah. all bets off, both uh, contenders.
2: Right, all bets off the seven going to Ken Yule. Ken Yiel with all bets off from post seven. And the last one left is post four. Bit of a legend for Robert Garson. Robert Garson, post four driver Jordan Stratton, who had a big Sunday at Yonkers Racetrack. And uh, Peter Triton is the trainer. So we'll go through it one more time, Mike Bozich. Uh, post four is Robert Garson. Post seven is Kenny Yule. Post number five is G.J. Jeff Brown. Three, Patricia Valvo. Post one, Joe DeMarco. Post two, Mike, I think I got my numbers mixed up here. You want, oh, no, post six, so to Vanessa Powell. Right. Brad Sell, post number two. And Garnett-Barnsdale, post number eight. So a tough, uh, tough trip there for our friend Garnett. But Mike, we're going to see if Mach and So can provide a uh, another victor this week to Vanessa Powell.
1: Yeah, maybe if yeah, Garnett wins with Thursday here with Sapphire City, we'll give him two horses in the final. <laughs> that's
0: that's right. going to be
1: that's going to be tough tread. And also, racing fans, don't forget that coming up at about the top of the hour, uh, we're going to draw for the Tim Tetrich bobblehead. So uh, don't don't forget that uh, we've got uh, some lucky names, and all she had to do was share us on social media. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have that uh, winner coming up at uh, or near the top of the hour, Mike.
2: All right, Mike. Well, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, Chantel Mitchell will join us. And uh, Mike, it's going to take everything I have not to call her Chantel Sutherland. We talked about this before the show. <laughs> we'll be right back on Post Time with Mike and Mike.
6: Every dream has a start, and this one is ours to trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tail. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in second. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day, not in this race, Not with this horse, not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others and be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat.
2: Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich and if you missed our George Morton-Levy draw just a a couple of short minutes ago the periscope is on our uh, page or on our twitter page right now mike Bozich.
1: and certainly is and uh, we certainly appreciate everybody taking time to enter and don't forget now you've got a whole week to enter all you have to do is uh, all you have to do is uh just send us an email go to our website our brand new website by the way post time with mike and And uh, just uh, go to the contest information page. There's a a contact information right there. All you have to do is send us your name and email and uh, boom, you're right in. So uh, there's still a couple of chances to win and go on to the finals and we'll see what happens this week with the George Morton Levy. But uh, we'll talk more about that in a moment. We'll preview those races uh, here in uh, just a couple of minutes. But right now we're joined by Chantel Mitchell. Chantel, we certainly appreciate you joining us uh, on this program. We talked to you a couple of months ago. How are things going uh, since the uh, tragic uh, barn fire up there at Classy Lane?
4: I would say considering, you know, the circumstances, everything is going as good as it could be. Everybody is really pulled together, and the barn is up. Like, the structure is up now. They're putting the siding on the outside, and they're working on getting the the, fount- the stalls in and everything. So promising. It's a good thing to see. It's, it's positive, and it's – it's nice. Every day we jog right past the barn and you can always see the progress that they're making. It's great.
2: Now, Chantel, obviously we had the uh tragic fire at the South Florida Training Center and before I go any further, I want to thank everybody from the CSOA and uh you guys and uh anybody from Classy Lane who took time to donate. We really appreciate uh you guys giving back to those folks. Uh with with that being said, um how how are the how are you I'm trying to even think of my question here, Um, you know, what, what can we do, I guess, to try to make things a little bit, uh, you know, safer in the, you know, in these barns. I know some people have talked about sprinkler systems, but you know, what can we do to make, uh, you know, to maybe prevent these things?
4: Um, You know, I I really couldn't say if there was anything in particular that you could do to prevent it Uh, by the sounds of it. What happened in South Florida, it was a, uh, a breaker that blew of some sort. I mean, this is obviously a complete accident. It, it just happened, right. and it happened so fast. And in our case, we still don't know what the cause was of it. So it's hard to say that we could prevent it with anything. I mean, it was freezing cold and, you know, things, electronics and the electricity, every, when things get really cold, it all changes. And, I mean, our farm went through a fire inspection in the fall, in November. So it wasn't, you know, everything was up to code, everything was was good to go, and then, you know, something happened. So it's, I mean, the only thing that I could possibly see, in my opinion, um, and this is an uneducated opinion, it's just an opinion, that if they had maybe smoke detectors and some kind of a system, because in this day and age we have, you know, cell phones, anything, Mm -hmm. you can get your, I'm sure there's a system out there where, it would notify you on your phone and if you're not on the property you can send someone that is to go check it out if there was any kind of heat or smoke that was going on but you know even thinking just like the from what i read what happened in south florida it sounds like there was somebody there almost instantly when that happened and yet it still went up so it's just a an indication of how quickly things can happen regardless of sprinklers or uh, alarms or whatever but that would be the only thing in, in my opinion that i that would maybe help be some kind of an alarm that was that could go to your phone or or something of that sort
1: visiting with Chantal Mitchell Canadian based trainer of course uh, she lost horses a couple of months ago in the classy lane barn fire Chantal you know there's an old saying that when tragedy strikes that's when you find out who your friends are talk about some of the people that have been so supportive to you especially right after the fire and during that trying time
4: Well right after the fire my owners and Chris's owners were everybody stepped up they wanted to buy horses right away. Uh, Chris was up to four horses within a month. I had a a bunch of owners that stepped up and they were looking to buy something but of course it was difficult to find anything to fit into their to their criteria I could say but since then uh, I have horses for Doug Millard and Sandra Burns and Doug have have they sent me two three-year-olds and then there's three two-year-olds that are becoming from Florida and other owners that had horses with me in the barn at the time have sent other horses that they were you know younger horses that they were training at their farms and they've sent up to finish off so I mean those have been the people that have been out there that our owners have just been phenomenal you know very supportive and ready to jump right back in and, and rebuild which is the best.
1: That's terrific. That is uh, outstanding. No question about it. Chantal, talk about some of the horses you have racing now.
4: Uh, right now, uh, well, I, I had claimed a horse. Um, his name was Sovereign Wealth. I raced him a few times. He got claimed, but uh, I did get Simon Alard, who was—he's uh, a great guy. He felt obviously terribly about everything, and he was out in Hawthorne at the time, and he found a horse out there he was racing in a five claimer, and he said, "This is a horse that." that I think you should have. And so he claimed him, his name is Love Dancing With You. And he, uh, he sent him out to me and he says, you race this horse and when he makes you money, you pay me back. Within two starts, the horse was paid for. He went and won his first two starts, then he had two seconds and another win. And he's just been great. So, I mean, he's not a, he's just a cheaper horse, but it's still a great feeling to have someone want to help you out and, and to have success afterwards with a horse like that.
1: Certainly, Chantel Mitchell. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Listen, uh, for somebody like you who's been through the tragedy of a barn fire, um, do you have any words, or is there anything that you could say, maybe some words of support for uh, the horseman and horsewoman that uh, the horsewoman that may have lost uh, something in the Florida barn fire?
4: Really, just be positive. Uh, you know, listening to any negative comments out there will do you no good. Just be positive. Keep doing everything you've always done and keep working and, and it'll come full circle. It always comes back around.
1: Chantel, we really appreciate you joining us on the program.
4: No problem. It's my pleasure.
1: That was Chantel Mitchell. Of course, uh, she lost some horses in the classy lane barn fire and uh, you know, Mike, uh, it's good to see their rebuilding. It's good to see uh, Chantel getting some horses back with her and uh, you know, getting back into racing, but uh, certainly There will never be anything, any kind of words or anything that can fill the void of, uh, you know, these equine athletes lost and uh, all the things lost in that barn fire.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I got to give it to everybody who helped out the CSOA. Uh, They raised a ton of money, so I'm glad to see that they were able to uh, start rebuilding the barn. And uh, things are really starting to look up up uh, up in Canada.
1: Our tremendous roster of lady guests continues. We'll have Hamiltonian Society's very own Moira Fanning up next. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in a moment.
2: The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard Brits the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And joining us now is Moira Fanning from the Hamiltonian Society. And Moira, thanks for taking time out of your day to sit down and talk with us a little bit.
7: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Now, Moira, a little bit about uh, what's going on with the Hamiltonian Society this year. I know uh, some of the stake payments just come in. And uh, it, it looks like some, some promising horses to fill some of these stakes races.
7: Well, staking is what the primary business of the society is. Um, just a little background. I wasn't around at the time, but they were formed in 1924 to kind of take control of, of the many disparate uh, organizations that were around and, and promote uh, the trotting horse and standard racing. And they felt the best way to do that would be to create this Hamiltonian and kind of other family of stakes, uh, racing. So they're very proud, you know, of course the membership has changed somewhat over the years since 1924 and uh, but the but the mission has not and that is to promote and encourage the breeding of the standard red horses through the development of stake racing. Stake racing, of course, being one of the best uh, returns on investment for owners that exists in harness racing, they certainly don't feel that now after the March 15th payments, but it is true that, that stakes racing has the best added money and the best way to get back some of that money when you buy those high- and low price Colts each year and fillies.
1: Certainly. Well, the stakes payments hurt a little bit, they sting, but I think when you get into the stakes season, I think uh, those emotions uh, may die down a little bit, hopefully, on your end. Listen, we've got 84 eligibles for the Hamiltonian in 2016, including a fantastic two-year-old by the name of Southwind Frank, who had 11 of 12 wins and made three-quarters of a million as a two-year-old. Looks like uh, by looking at that roster of horses, Jimmy Thacker, of course, has got 10. It looks like by looking at that roster of horses, we're in for another fun season.
7: Oh, absolutely, and it's always great to have a standout two-year-old trotter because then you're anxious to see him come back, but you know that in barns all around North America there are the sleepers, and there's the horses that are going to come out of the woodwork to, like a pink man, to upset the, you know, to take the mantle away from the the winter book favorite or whatever, but um, there's some little, uh, Burke I think is very excited about how Southwind Frank has come back also make or miss. I think he has four total eligible. Tactor has 10, but if there's a um, Andover Hall full brother to Donato uh, Hanover that's eligible. There's some, some real um, interesting ones as well. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Trotter, Great George Two, but he has a son eligible as well as a Cam's Rocket, which is a, a pacer that Richard Hans of Goo Goo Gaga fame uh, has made eligible. So Absolutely, we're getting into the steak season now and and can't wait to see what this crop looks like
2: now, Moira, I gotta tell you our my good friend Garnett Barnesdale, I know you know him pretty well. Me and him swear up and down that we came up with Pinkman because we seen him at the little brown jug uh, at two years old, <laughs> and both of us bet him for uh for our good friend uh Sidney Weaver, so it was good to see Pinkman uh come out of the woodwork so to speak uh last year well moira coming up this year later on this year is the breeder's crown at the meadowlands and it's going to hoosier park uh from there uh after that it, how does that process work how, you know can we tell people how how maybe we go about selecting those racetracks for the breeder's crown uh is it kind of like the thoroughbreds where they you know kind of stick to the mainstay racetracks or is it like a uh, voting process
7: well i mean the society specifically under the guidance of Charlie Keller, was anxious to, a couple of years ago, get a three-year rotation. That's really only fair for owners and for tracks as well to know when they're making these payments where they're eventually going to race. And so, uh, again, with the upheaval in the last five years in New Jersey and in Ontario and various states, uh, you want to do something that's long-term to kind of secure um, a little bit of stability. So went out and got, you know, Tom Charters and, and the Breeders' Crown Committee of the Society, went out and got, you know, long three partners in Hoosier Park and Woodbine and in the Meadowlands and... Uh, you know we're very excited to add Hoosier Park in in 2017 there i think i our 31st new host track for the british crown including colonial downs one of your old stomping grounds there <laughs> and we we if a track wants to host the races the british crown committee does everything they can to accommodate them of course they got to take into condition a lot of um a lot of parameters to have a successful event but those three tracks I just mentioned are three of the top tracks in North America WEG has been an extraordinary partner the Meadowlands a great partner we're having a two-night Breeders Crown there in October going to be interesting because I don't think the Meadowlands has ever raced a fall uh, meet of harness except for their first year in 1976 and uh, they're kind of going to mix it up with some thoroughbred, some harness, some thoroughbred. But in October, um, we're going to put the older horses on Friday night and the two- and three-year-olds on Saturday night, October 27th and 28th, or 28th and 29th. I'm not very good with dates here. up oh, 28th and 29th. So we'll make a whole weekend of it, and um, hopefully that'll be a, uh, a great uh, success for the Meadowlands, at mixed meat. Then next year we go to Hoosier Park, and and Hoosier Park has just been a wonderful, steadfast track in in trying to improve uh, their facility, which is pretty top-notch as it is, Uh, the adding, the high-def broadcast, the passing lane. um, It's a a beautiful place, and uh, we think that they're going to do a great job with the Breeders' Crown and can't wait to go there.
1: Visiting live with Moira Fanning of the Hamiltonian Society. Moira, for any potential new owners that might be listening to this program here today, let's backtrack a little bit. How do you get a horse eligible for races like the Hamiltonian or the Breeders' Grunt?
7: Well, a lot of those um, stake races depend on yearling eligibility, which the breeder pays primarily. And there's very few breeders that don't make their horses eligible to a wide array of stakes. That helps with their saleability. Then there's continuing payments at two and three. The Breeder's Crown has stallion eligibility as, as a component to it. The Hamiltonian is one of the unique races in that there's no supplemental process. So if you miss that yearling payment or miss the two-year-old payment, you're not, or miss the three-year-old payment, you're not getting in the race. And there's mixed, you know, feelings about that. I think it's the right thing to do. It's the one payment you don't want to pass over. And as I said, it's probably the best. Uh, return on investment you can get. It has the most added money of any stake. Oh, it's a million dollar purse guaranteed. Every starter gets money. Plus, you get to go to the Meadowlands on Hambletonian Day and participate in everything that's there. And it seems steep at the time to make a, a payment, but if you have a trotter that can trot at all, you, you, to be Hambletonian eligible is is really um you know where you want to be with that horse and you can talk about pinkman and every other hambletonian winner where that race has will always be the race that's associated with their name doesn't matter how much money they want or what they want or if they're a gelding or a stallion it'll always say pinkman hambletonian winner and and that's just something that really doesn't have a price tag you, you got to go with that
1: moira there's Horse Racing Overseas, that it didn't take uh, too long for you to get an invitation together to bring, t- try to bring him over here, and that's a horse by the name of Bold Eagle. I think after the pre-Diammer week uh, is when uh, you sent the invitation out to Bold Eagle. Think we've got any chance of uh, getting him over here?
7: Well, I'm not sure we'll see him this year. Uh, I hope we see him next year. Um, the society, again, instituted this policy of trying to attract the Foreign Horses and, and the Meadowlands has, has um, got on board. Yonkers has got on board with with expanding this foreign market, which is really the only growth area in harness racing is um, outside the borders of your own state and country. You've got to work on that. And we've had horses like Varenne, Cocktail Jet. Um, to get Bold Eagle here, we have Commander Crow in a Breeders' Crown. I mean, it would be absolutely fantastic to get them here because of their schedule, the French um, calendar of races is very lucrative for horses his age, and they want to keep him home and breed him. He's been syndicated and re-syndicated and, you know, shares in him are, go for just an astronomical price. So I think they're going to concentrate on that this year. But they said, yeah, you know, we'd like to come maybe next year. So believe me, we're, we're going to be there for them uh, whenever they want to come.
2: Now, Moira, real All quick, 20 right. Uh, Mike, I had one more comment. I'm sorry.
7: <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: Fire away, uh, Michael. Uh, Moira, I wanted to tell you, it's funny you mentioned the international uh, flavor because we've really tried to bring in some international stuff here. At a, it, it looks like, uh, and I, I haven't talked to Mike Bozich about this yet, he doesn't know he's calling the elite lap coming up in a, in a couple weeks. <laughs>
7: oh, good. So That's we, great. So, hey, you guys so have done a great job that with that.
2: Go ahead, Moira. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to You go. guys
7: have done a great job with that. And I have to say, uh, you know, it's the fans like you and the two Mikes who have gone out, taken the bull by the horns, created a platform, and watched it grow and grow. And, and that's why you guys are so important to our t- sport. And uh, the Prix de Marique was uh, a fantastic event to watch and to listen to and to attend um, the race that you guys did was just the next best thing, and I really hope you get to go over there sometime. And I'm looking forward to having you guys live at, at the Breeders' Crown in the Hamiltonian if we can.
1: Fantastic. Well, listen, Moira, we certainly appreciate you joining us, uh, and uh, we certainly appreciate all that you do for uh, for the sport of harness racing. What, what's ahead to, uh, for 2016? We've uh, got anything else that we could look forward to?
7: Well, the Hamiltonian, which is August sixth, heat racing, and um, as I said, the breeders' crown fall and we 've got i mean there's people complain about the conflict with the races on weekends it's it 's like an embarrassment of riches uh starting in May I think May 6th or 7th is a Dexter Cup at Freehold there's just stake racing the levy has already started um you know it seems like the the long warm winter is behind us and we have a lot to look forward to uh in in stake racing and just general racing it's it's uh, a time uh, if you finish 3rd or you finish 1st you're just so excited to be racing it's um it's hard not to look forward to 2016 and beyond
1: All right, Moira, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
7: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
1: All right, that was Moira Fanning from the Hamiltonian Society. Always good to talk to Moira. And, uh, Mike, uh, we're going into overtime, but I I don't know if we can call it overtime because we knew we were going to head into the 2 to 2.30 time area.
2: Yeah, definitely. We're going to have Casey Coleman coming up next. And Mike, this is one trainer I can't wait to talk to. Uh, She's a lot of fun to watch on Facebook uh, if you're Facebook friends with her. But she's also got some great horses and does a lot of great things uh, for Canadian Harness Racing. And, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to hear what Casey's got to say.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Well, Mike, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's going on this weekend at Yonkers, the Blue Chip Matchmaker, and, of course, it's leg two of the George Morton Levy. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in a moment. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of Harness Racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stakes horse and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Listen to a brand-new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening.
2: Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And, uh, Mike, I wanted to tell you real quick, we, we're allowed to have a little bit of fun on this show. You don't yeah, know I it, know it, exactly what you're going to say. There's, <laughs> this,
1: uh, there's this picture floating around the Internet, isn't there?
2: There is. And you can thank your wife for posting it because I seen it on Facebook. And I said, you know what? we got to put it on Twitter so people can see you know, us weathering the conditions a little bit.
1: Well, there goes that nice dinner I was going to think of, too.
2: <laughs> that, 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 that's right. Well, Mike, we got a bobblehead to give away. It's a Tim Trick bobblehead. And uh, we're gonna, we used random.org to uh, pick out a winner here. And what we did was uh, we had 15 names. We told it to pick a number one through 15. And uh, Mike, you want to give us the results?
1: Yeah, we ser- first of all, we certainly appreciate everybody sharing us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've got this new website going. And make sure you check that out, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. We'll have all the contest information, all the show news. It has all our archives on there. You can listen to the show right there live uh, through the Blog Talk Radio app. So make sure you check it out. It's posttimewithmikeandmike.com. And we'll be adding new stuff all the time. I know we're going a- to add a wall of fame for all of our award winners. That will be coming up in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, perhaps we'll be doing some blogs. We'll be sharing our thoughts. Uh, maybe sharing some picks, whatever. The sky is the limit, so make sure you check on Post Time with Mike and Mike.com, our brand new website. Okay, we've got the winner of the uh, Tim Teetrick bobblehead, and the winner is. Well, we don't have the drum roll uh, thing in the studio anymore, <laughs> do we? Uh,
0: but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, there, yeah. there we go. We uh, all
1: right. The, wi- the winner is Denise Pachuki Bermudez. I hope I'm pronouncing that middle name correct. Denise Pachuki Bermudez, the winner of the Tim Trick bobblehead. So, uh, what you're going to have to do is uh, email us, and we've got a brand new email address, uh, Mike. It's very easy to remember it's Mike at post time with Mike and Mike. Com. So, all you have to do email us at Mike at Mike com, or you can send a message to us on Facebook or Twitter uh, with your address, and we'll make sure we get that uh, Tim Teatrick bobblehead to you. But uh, certainly be aware and check our website, Mike dot com, because uh, And I'm not going to say anything, Mike. We're going to talk a little bit about this next week, perhaps, but we're going to have a lot more giveaways in the near future. But the only way to uh, find out about them and get in it is you're going to have to check our website, Mike host time with Mike and com.
2: Definitely. We're uh, we're, we're really excited about some of the partnerships coming up, but uh, Mike, something else we're really excited about is the blue chip matchmaker and the uh, races coming up at Yonkers this weekend.
1: Yeah, certainly the blue chip matchmaker is coming up on Friday. Of course, the uh, George Morton Levy coming up on Saturday. Uh, leg twos of uh, both action And some terrific, terrific racing action last week and a leg two of both of them here. There's uh, three divisions in leg three action of the blue chip matchmaker. We've got a horse uh, that uh, people might have heard of. Uh, making uh, her return, and that's the uh, $3.5 million owner, Andrew Vent. She's making her 2016 debut. That's actually in the second division. We'll start in the first division, Mike, where last year's winner, Venus Delight, uh, was making her uh, 2016 debut last start, finishing second. Uh, just lost by a nose to, uh, of course, the big upsetter, Market Apar, who's inside about Venus Delight here tonight but you have to think Mike that with the start under Venus Delight's belt she's going to uh be ready to rock and roll here uh, to uh, Friday night.
2: Yeah, I got to think uh Venus Delight's going to have a better race. Um she only missed by a nose uh coming home in 28 seconds off a of 153 and 2 mile and really raced well for driver Jason Bartlett who ha- has just been on fire as of late at Yonkers Raceway. Of course, Mackie Apar draws towards the inside and Mike I got you know I got to wonder if maybe mock-it-a-par is going to uh, provide a little bit more value this week, I wonder if 950-1 or not.
1: Well, Mike, you see a lot of these horses, and as a matter of fact, that was one of the wagering angles. And that was a good a thread started by our good friend Russ Adam on Facebook uh, yesterday about the – the day before, I believe, about good wagering angles. Pretty good thread. You might want to check it out uh, if you follow uh, Russ and uh, his page on Facebook. But um, – one of the angles that you know you see a lot of is you see a double digit horse win, and a lot of people, even in its next start or in some cases, even two or three starts down the road, just think that that was a fluke and don't pay any attention to it. And next week, what happens? The very same thing, maybe not quite as good odds, like you're certainly not going to get 36 to one on uh, you know the horse uh, market apart here, but uh, you know five, six, seven, to one is certainly a possibility, and this horse could very well repeat. a lot of times people don't give respect to horses, so if you're a value player, that's an angle you want to uh, certainly uh, pay attention to.
2: Yeah, definitely. One horse I was kind of surprised by last week, Mike, was You Gotta Kiss Me or Not, who didn't really race all that well from the inside. Uh, sat a pocket trip and tried to close home late and just really didn't get going uh, for driver Daniel Dubay. Draws post two again this week. I got to wonder if uh, You Gotta Kiss Me or Not is going to be worth it at
1: 4-1. Yeah, I mean, we're talking second division now. Once again, she draws the inside. But, you know, once again, you have a lot of these horses that are just... Getting back into the swing of things here in 2016, and there are some horses that can fire uh, right away, and there's some horses that need two, three, four, five starts. Once again, she draws inside. You have to think that with the class of uh, "You're Gonna Kiss Me" or not, that she's going to continue to improve. Uh, you know, skipping by the uh, the one horse that, like you said, is getting a major, major post improvement from the inside. But of course, I think the storyline of races androvet making her 2016 debut. She made three hundred sixty thousand dollars last year. She continues along. She's nine years old. Uh, She's coming off a double qualifier at the Meadowlands, fifty-two and three, with a twenty-eight come home in that qualifier last time. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, what kind of game Androvet brings in her first start of twenty sixteen. Mike,
2: yeah, after being scratched out of the Breeders' Crown, which I know her connections had to be really upset about um, at Woodbine. Uh, her last race was back on October 9th, So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The third division of the blue chip matchmaker is one that I consider a little bit tougher, Mike. It features Crispy Apple, um, and if you're looking for names that you might recognize, you're not really going to see them in this race.
1: Crispy Apples made uh, over $1.5 million, and as Frank Drucker described her last week, she's just one of those hard-trying horses. She's always a a big-time presence in this particular series, Uh, and she raced very, very well last time. She lost as the favorite to uh, al Raza, who's uh, in post four here. So once again, that duo is going to meet up. Lady Shadow uh won uh, her first her first division of the blue chip last uh, week in 53 and 4 uh, winning by two and a quarter from post 7 she doesn't get much post relief off that particular race this is kind of wide open i mean uh, you know you've got some horses inside cinnamon is getting a, a big time post relief there for the berg shingra connection and uh, even delightful dragon's uh, not too bad in this spot tried to uh, come outside last time and uh, this horse uh, is coming off a win two starts back in a good 53 and 2 so a lot of possibilities in him Mike.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mike, we're going to go with a quick little hunch play uh, before Casey Coleman. Comes how about that? If you if you're one of the ladies who was on the show today, you got to particularly or got at least put a couple bucks to a uh, couple bucks to show on Lady Shadow.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and and for the ladies, how about number seven, twenty to one? Uh, she raced at Harris Philadelphia uh, over the uh, the summertime last year, and uh, she had a couple of nice wins. So do not forget about her, Mike. We're going to take one more real quick timeout. when we come back we're going to bring casey coleman on uh you've got post time with mike and mike we'll be back in just a moment
2: friends of maryland standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in maryland friends of maryland standard breds works hand in hand with charities involving children and horses such as the harness horse youth foundation friends of maryland standard breds is actively involved with organizations such as the maryland horse council and the maryland horse industry board working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and liked out on Facebook.
1: With Mike and Mike, Mike Bozich alongside of Mike Carter. We certainly appreciate you joining us on this program. We're uh, well into overtime. We expected we would be, and we're joined right now by uh, perhaps one of the best trainers ever to train a harness horse, Casey Coleman, joining us. Casey, how are you? Very
5: good. Very good.
1: Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to sit down a little bit in depth with you. How'd you get started in the business? Tell us about the early years of one, Casey Coleman.
5: Uh, I was born and raised in it. I grew up in uh in BC at Fraser Downs. My parents were uh, my dad was a trainer and driver and uh my mom was in it. So I kind of had no choice but to get in it and uh I loved it right from the get go. It's the only thing I've ever done is train horses and uh only thing I ever really wanted to do. I wasn't too interested in anything else.
1: All right. And now have you ever had any ambitions to drive horses at all or no?
5: Oh, I used to be a driver. I actually started out as a driver, and uh, I started driving in at Sandown Park and Fraser Downs. I drove in uh, Northlands Park and Calgary Stampede, and that's actually all I ever wanted to do. I drove a little bit when I first came to Ontario. And uh, I just, uh, a couple of reasons I stopped driving. One was I'm simply just not as good as uh, I was using guys like Randy Waples and Mark McDonald, um, guys like that when I first started out. And I simply wasn't as good as them um, when I moved to Ontario. And I, got, I have a lot of uh, like circulation problems with I was in a barn fire years ago. And uh, my arm and legs, I get some circulation problems when one gets pulling on me too bad. So I kind of gave that up.
1: Tell us about some of the night. You've won a lot of stakes races, of course, Little Brown Jugs, uh, and the list goes on. Tell us about some of the great horses, Casey, that, you, that you've had that uh, you certainly hold uh, fond memories
5: uh, I've been extremely fortunate. I've uh, hit so many good horses I've been able to have over the years. Um, I'm going to say, like, obviously a horse like Sports Rider, he's totally changed my life. Uh, I bought him for 50000 with no owner lined up to buy him. I just bought him myself at Harrisburg and uh, got lucky. Some of my partners wanted to buy in on him after because I didn't have the money to put up for him. I just loved him. I bought him. And Steve Calhoun and Ross Warner bought in with me on him. We, uh, as a, he only got beat once in two-year-old season, won the Metro um, and then he won the North American Cup at three for one point five million, which is my highest purse ever won and Obviously afterwards was fortunate enough to go to stud and he's doing quite well at stud duty so uh he's totally changed my life that horse and because of him, I was able to buy in on horses like better than Cheddar um who's also gone to stud now, and he's set world records on many different tracks and uh I say it's uh Vegas Vacation, uh, he won a little brown jug and has been uh, won a lot of big races for us. Michael Tower was my first little brown jug. He was an extreme pleasure to train. Um, Western Silk, she was one of the best fillies I had. Moving Pictures was a real good mare. Um, idyllic, uh this just goes on. so I'd probably like forgetting a whole bunch of them, too, but uh, I'd say sports writers got to obviously – be the one that if i was to pick one i'm going to say sports writer but saying that when i think of my biggest race i ever won i'm going to say michael power my first little brown jug is that uh, there was nothing quite like that and my first six horse actually american ideal um the day he set the world record at lexington red mile that was uh, that was pretty outstanding too he was uh, he's quite a horse and he's proven himself as a stallion right now too
2: very well now, Casey, t- talk to us a little bit about Sports SportsRider Sports Rider has done some fantastic things in the breeding shed. Uh, what do you attribute to that?
5: He's just—he was just a perfect horse. Uh, I've seen him in Harrisburg. And uh, there's nothing flaw in him. Like he, he's, I loved our places and he was bred very well. I love the way that he crossed in his breeding. When you look at him, there's nothing you could change on his confirmation. Like he's just a gorgeous, absolute dream horse. There's nothing like he's just perfect confirmation. Um, I couldn't discredit the horse at all. I tried my my best to pick the horses apart and make my list small when I'm at the yearling sales. And I couldn't pick him apart no matter what I tried. And I honestly thought he'd sell, I was thinking a hundred, a quarter, 150 is what I honestly thought it would take to be able to buy him and uh, for whatever reason he went through the ring for 50 I believe it's back when the sale was still uh it was still a three-day sale at Harrisburg and he didn't sell till very late uh, late on the first night it was probably had to be almost 9 9:30, I'll say by the time he fled dinner reservations and whatnot and had left already me included and, uh Dan Fisher with Trot Magazine was taking me out for dinner also and I held everybody up while I waited to see him go through the ring and I'm very glad that I did but, uh, and he just, on the track too, his manners, he, he had great manners. You could fire him out of the gate. You could take a hold of him with two fingers, come off the pace, come first over, like anything you wanted to do with him. Mark McDonald did most of driving on him. He did a phenomenal job driving him his whole season. And Writer was very good to him also. He could let him do whatever he wanted, and uh, Sportswriter always responded.
1: Talking to Casey Coleman. Casey, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Listen, uh, before we get in, we'll talk A little bit about uh, some of the horses you've got in 2016, but I wanted to bring this up because you've been an inspiration to a lot of people, including myself, not only as far as training horses are concerned, but about uh, the challenge to get healthy and the challenge to, you know, uh, lose weight. And obviously, by reading your Facebook and everything, you feel so much better. It's almost like you're a a different person. What went into that decision, and when did you decide, you know what, listen, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to start working out, and I'm going to start eating healthy?
5: Uh, It was back about three years ago, I guess. My winter was in Florida. I just had a lot of things change in my life, and. uh, once I had them things change, I just kind of took a look at myself and trying to, uh, I I don't know what it was, but as I did, I was always smaller growing up, and I don't even know how I gained so much weight so quickly, and I honestly didn't even realize it till I finally just stood back and looked, and I was like, man, I uh, I got a situation going on here. And I never even owned a scale before, so I went and got on a scale and seen what it was, and it wasn't pretty. Um, so I, I hired a trainer, uh, Robert Husko and, uh, I've been training with him. I actually just right now, I just came in the door at enough time to, uh, I'm still sweating from the gym right now. I still work out with them. Um, five days a week for an hour and when i go home i work out with tanya morale um, out of cambridge ontario and i tried to do it on my own but i just i don't know what it is i i i need to have the trainer to do it because i know i i know what to do now when i'm in the gym but i just uh, i can't get myself focused And know i have to be there when i need somebody uh, training me so i've i've kept trainers for three years now and uh, I just like I say, I needed to get healthy. I dropped 80 pounds, um, and I've been able to hold that off. I did. I, helped, I gained probably about 15 pounds back when I went on a six-week vacation here this winter, um, but I'm getting that back off now, and uh, I'm back to. I don't have to diet as strict as I did to get it off. I can now have fun. I can go out and eat and drink, and how I just got to make sure I'm at the gym and work it back off. I don't have to be. It was pretty hard the first uh, the first six to eight months getting it off, but I was um a thousand calorie a day diet strict workout plans i was going three to four hours a day working out and uh i just got it done and got the weight off and i feel a ton better now
1: well that is terrific and uh, obviously it gives you a lot more energy uh and you know and being a trainer let me face it it's a high energy sport i mean you have to be there for your owners and especially with the amount of horses that you've had how many horses do you have right now
5: Right now, I'm down at my lowest numbers ever, well, besides when I first started, and that's on purpose. I kind of wanted it that way. But right now, I have 22 here with me in Ontario, and I've got, uh, there's two that Andrew Harris was training for me this winter that are in New Jersey. And uh, then I've got Vegas Vacation, I still have, and he's still turned out in Lexington. We'll be picking him up in a couple weeks and we'll taking him with us to try one more kick at the can to see if he makes it back again.
1: Now we asked Jimmy Tactor when he was on the show about the decision to uh, cut back. You know, he he has a lot of horses, and now he's cutting back a little bit, or so he says. Um, what was what went into the decision for you for you to cut back? Because uh, at one time it seemed like you had over 100 horses.
5: Yeah, there's a number of reasons. At my highest, I believe I was around 120 to 130 range at my highest. I don't even really know for sure, but I was definitely well over 100 and uh, spread out between the New Jersey barn and the Canada barn. And uh, a number of reasons. One of the ones was when I started coming to Florida, I decided I'm going to go to Florida for the winter and uh, start slowing my racing down a little bit. And we had the misfortune that we did get in trouble, and I did get a positive test on antihistamines. And when that happened, I sell a lot of horses and get rid of a lot of horses and uh, I just made the barn smaller and when it was time, when I was off my suspension and done training in uh, the Colts, the two and three-year-olds in Florida, I kind of liked it and I was looking at, uh, like I like seeing more hands-on and being able to pay attention to more, like just better horses and got rid of some of the cheaper and overnight ones and I just, uh, now I just keep two and three-year-olds and a few if they're good enough to be open horses and I keep them but I don't have any claimers, Um, I don't do any overnight horses anymore and uh i really like it i own pr- pretty much about 50 percent of all my horses i own myself and uh i just i really like it it's much less numbers but a lot more quality and less uh less quantity and i uh i'm really happy the way it's going now
2: now casey uh let's talk Luke and head over just a second uh you brought Luke and head over to the gold cup and at charlottetown and was uh, finished third but he's coming off of an impressive victory in the george martin levy uh what was it like to uh work with Luke and Hanover some and uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like to go up to the gold cup and saucer. I know that's a, uh, that's a uh, dream trip for me anyway. Yeah. Well, Luke
5: and uh, I bought him as a baby and he's been a real good horse to us as a two-year-old. I thought he was going to be a top top horse and it just didn't pan out. He was too immature and I uh, need to be gilded. So we did that. He come back quite good as a three-year-old. And uh, when we decided to uh, go to the gold cup and saucer, it was kind of a, a, bad decision but good decision i'll say i've always wanted to go to the gold cup and saucer people always told me how much fun it is and i it's always during are not big stakes and at woodbine we always have a whole bunch of big stakes going on at mohawk sorry but and uh, i had a bad season this year i wasn't happy at all with my season and i didn't have a whole lot of stakes horses that i needed to prep really for those steaks and i said you know what been a bad season. I've always wanted to go to the Gold Cup. I own Luke, and I didn't have uh, me and Ross Warner, who is West Wind Stable, go Luke, and Ross is awesome. Anything I want to do, he lets me do, and I knew I didn't have to do too much convincing to say let's take Luke into the Gold Cup, and so we finally went, and I had a great time. Like, I, they treated me like gold there. I definitely want to go back one year. Um, could have had a better time. I was there for 10 days, got a cottage on the water, and the only thing that sucks is, yes, it's hard to make money there. Like, the final was uh, 60000 1000s what the final was and by the time even if we won the race by the time we added up everything we did while we were there and shipping and all that you're probably not making a whole lot of money but uh, I definitely do recommend going there though like whether you take a horse or not to anybody I uh, I had more fun at the Gold Cup and Foster than the Little Brown Jug and I love the Little Brown Jug it's just uh, it's a great great place to go. And, uh, and update now, uh, actually Andrew Harris, he's been doing the training on him for me this winter. And I let Andrew, uh, do everything that he wants, any way he wants and train him back. You know, Luke and well, he's worked with him uh, the whole time, uh, over the years, he's worked with him a lot and he's done a phenomenal job. He's three for three now. He won his first two starts at Dover downs and, uh, when his first leg of the Levy and he's back in on Saturday in the Levy and he, he's come back great so far. So I, uh, I'm really excited about him this season and we'll see what he can do. But, uh, i like say so far I'm just an owner on Luke and Hanover, and Andrew Harris has done all the training on him for me, and I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm sitting back and enjoying the money he's making me.
1: Well, Casey, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We know you just uh, got off of a tough workout, and uh, you want to go clean up. We'll let you go do that. We really appreciate you joining us, and uh, we're looking forward to big things in 2016 and beyond. Thank you. All right, that was Casey Coleman. Uh, in my opinion, Mike, uh, one of the uh, one of the best trainers in harness racing that uh, has ever trained a harness horse. She's had some great horses on throughout the years, and uh, she continues to have just a great stable. She's uh, cut down a little bit. She's enjoying life, and uh, you know what, Mike? When it gets all down to it, that's that's what it's
2: all about. You have to enjoy life. Exactly. You got to have a good time, and uh, just like we do, we we have a great time on this show. And uh, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed talking to Casey. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Well, Mike, I'll tell you what. We're going to wrap this thing up in a few minutes, but uh, we do want to uh, take a real quick look at the the Levy. I know we took a look at the matchmaker. There's five divisions of the George Morton Levy uh, coming up on uh, Saturday at Yonkers, and it is uh, leg two, and there's some uh, fantastic courses, uh, and it starts in the fifth race at Yonkers Raceway. And uh, this is a little bit, uh, you know, you've got Luke and Hannah, we just talked about, Luke and Hannibal with uh, Casey from the outside off that great victory. Uh, he's uh, undefeated in 2016. Now the question is, Mike, is does that undefeated streak here this year continue?
2: That's a good question. But there's a horse in this field that I, I am really interested to see. And I actually picked this horse in the uh, Hannah Handicapping Contest. It's Takawu En, coming from New Zealand. Uh, hasn't been the most consistent horse uh, overseas, but – Qualified at Freehold Raceway in 155 and 4 for trainer Robert Brescianen and tr- our driver Daniel Dubay. And, you know, came home in 27 and 2. I, I got to think that Takawu's got a shot, at least from the rails.
1: Yeah, Bob Resnam's horse is uh, always uh, in with a chance, and this horse draws the inside. That was a, you know, a twenty-seven and two quarter a fifty-five qualifier at free old. It's certainly nothing to sneeze at against another nice horse. Better be stepping. So this horse draws the rail. Certainly has a big shot. No question about it. The next division uh, of the Levy occurs in race seven. Of course, that's headlined by Foyle again, who uh, paced an even fourth last time. Not uh, too bad of an effort in his 20, uh, 2016 debut. Does he come forward here, uh, Mike?
2: Yeah, you know, I got, I got to think he's got a shot. You know, he's faced Texas Terror, who wanted fifty to one last week. Um, Mel Mary Beach drew towards the inside, and so too did Michael's Power. But Foiled Again looks like one of the better horses here. Uh, one of the horses really good race, and I'm kind of surprised by his performance. Is Fill Your Boots, and Fill Your Boots uh, was a Buffalo horse. He was racing an eight thousand dollar claimers, and now he's beating open horses at Yonkers. It's unbelievable. But Fill Your Boots gets a little bit of a better draw from post six. Uh, Bet Forever is a little bit of a tough pick from the outside, even with Tim Tietrich aboard. Uh, you know, Texas Terror, who knows? Maybe Texas Terror can, uh, you know, slight these guys just a little bit more for Trader Jose Godinez and uh, Driver Mack and Kayleigh.
0: Our
1: post time with Mike and Mike, uh, contest divisions coming up in race number eight. Uh, field of eight will do battle Mock it so, who wanted for. Uh, Uh, Whitney Nassimo's last time And uh, has uh, Vanessa Powell, I believe uh, Riding Makoto's coattails Here looking for the repeat victory Three-length win, that was from the rail This time it's from the outside, though Uh, So obviously it's going to be a little bit tougher For So, but he's got a lot of back class He's uh, won over a million dollars And uh, you have to think that he could move forward Too off his uh, 2016 debut
2: Yeah, you got to think that, uh, you know, some of these horses, like you said, are just coming back off of, you know, off of big-time layoffs. So, you know, to see Mockenso come back and race the race that he did uh, in 151-3 and for driver Tim Teacher, trainer Jeffrey Bamman Jr., he just really looked impressive. All bets off has really been looking well this year, even from the outside. All bets off has not had any luck post-position-wise. And, Mike, I got to think, if you can get 6-1 to – You know, this is going to be a good, uh, good trifecta or exacta price.
1: Certainly, race nine is uh, division four and five in the. George Morton, Levy, leg two, PH super cam. Uh, he's got to overcome post eight, overcame post seven last time in his second race in 2016 to win in 53 and one, but uh, winning from an outside post, at Yonkers is tough to do. Winning from an outside post twice in a row at Yonkers is very tough to do, especially when you've got a lot of talent horse flesh inside.
2: Yeah, definitely. You've got, do me that again in this field who, you know, From post seven last week and two weeks ago at pompadoe park raced in the open three and was a winner in 150 and four for driver simon allard this time daniel dubay picks up the lines but the other horse you got to watch here is scott rocks and scott rocks didn't get the best trip from post four uh last time out but went in 151 and three and looking at all the horses in this field other than sunfire blue chip mike that is one of the fastest uh fastest final times uh for any of these horses is uh got rock
1: well, and we were talking about angles on that thread. Mike, I don't know if you had a chance to check that out. It's a real good thread with some good handicapping insight uh, as far as uh, the angles are concerned, started by our good friend, Russ Adams, who that's his second shout-out in the show today, by the way. But anyway, uh, Scott Rocks uh, is getting second-time Brian Sears uh, and uh, was driven a little conservatively last time, could uh, be firing out to the front this time. Race 10, uh, fifth and final division, you've got taken take it back, Terry. Uh, looked very good in victory, draws the inside, and certainly a heavy favorite there.
2: Yeah, completely. I think Take It Back Terry is going to have another uh, another big effort this week. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the Levy. Well, Mike, we're down to our final minute and 15 seconds. We're getting screamed at. I don't know if you can hear our uh, our friend or not, but uh, she's telling us now that we've got 60 seconds left. It's been a lot of fun uh, with all the ladies on the show, and uh, we want to thank everybody for taking time out of their day to join us, and we'll see you back next Thursday here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. First post, 1 o'clock. Have a good one.